Well, it is a hot evening, and it's normally you who are feeling sorry for me, having to preach and especially wear a tie on uh, hot uh, summer days. But I can now feel sorry for you, uh, because you have to wear those masks, which must be extremely uncomfortable. But I'm trusting that God will speak to us. We're going to return in September to the series in Revelation. I've still got one message, God willing, in the church uh, at Philadelphia, and then we'll move on to Laodicea. But this evening, since this is my last Sunday before uh, the summer vacation, I want us to consider, and I try not to be too long, a couple of verses in Philippians chapter 4. They're very well known. Verses 6 and 7 of Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. In nothing be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds, through Christ Jesus. I'm sure we'll all agree what a year it has been with everything that's been going on. And I'm sure we're all glad to get to the summer holidays. But the man who wrote the verses that we're going to consider tonight was having a much tougher time than any of us may have had to suffer with lockdown and other things. Paul is in prison. He's under house arrest. He's chained to two Roman soldiers. And here he is writing to this church at Philippi, and he's basically saying to them, Rejoice! Rejoice! Verse 4. Now, I can listen to a man who is suffering, and in the midst of his suffering, he's saying from his heart, rejoice. As somebody said of these letters of Paul, they smell of the prison, and nowhere do God's people write such things as when they are imprisoned. Some of our greatest Christian books were written when saints were imprisoned. They smell of the prison. Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress being the most famous. Now then, what's Paul's secrets? How can we, whatever our circumstances, be like this man of God? Let me remind you, Paul uh, didn't have this uh, automatically. He says a little later in the chapter, I have learned, I have learned in the school of Christ whatsoever state I am, verse 11, to be content. So whether Paul was in prison or whether he was free and traveling the world as an evangelist, he'd learnt the rare jewel of Christian contentment. Now, I don't want to 
be overly long tonight, but in verses 6 and 7, we have a glimpse of the heart of the apostle, something of his secrets. Now, what does he tell us? The first thing is this. In nothing be anxious. In nothing be anxious. That's a command. Imperative. Don't panic. When I was growing up, there was a fantasy series by Douglas Adams, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And on the front cover of the book were written the words, Don't panic. In a way, God's book for us as his children has the words, Don't panic written on it. One of the things that I've been helped with more than anything this last year is a little devotional by C.H. Spurgeon, the checkbook of the Bank of Faith. And every day he takes a promise from the Word of God. And it's so precious. Don't fear. Now, the word for anxiety here uh, is worry. And the idea behind worry is being pulled about in different directions. That, that's a good description of worry, isn't it? It's like being strangled because you've got all these fears coming from different directions. And we know today, don't we, that stress and worry can cause physical symptoms. It can uh, give you backache. It can give you headaches. It can give you a bad stomach. It's as if all these different worries coming from different directions strangle us. I wonder, is somebody here tonight in that condition? Maybe it is a health worry you've got. How will I cope? Or maybe you've bought a house and things are not working right. When I bought my first house, that was the beginning of stress. Or maybe things have been difficult at work and you're at your wit's end. Or maybe your family situation, you don't know what to do. That's the thing, isn't it? It's being strangled. And sometimes these things come at the same time from different directions and we don't know where to turn. Now, if a person came alongside me with a big smile on their face and said to me, it's all right, you don't have to worry. I don't think I take them seriously. I'd probably want to punch them. But if it's this man who suffered so much and he's in prison and he's saying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in nothing, be anxious. I listen. That's what God is saying to us tonight. In nothing, be anxious. So that's the first thing. Don't faint. It's hot, isn't it? In the heat of the day, in the heat of the trials, we feel like giving up, fainting. What did Jesus Christ say? This is my second point. 
men ought always to not faint, to pray and not to faint. So this is how the Apostle Paul puts it. There's poetry here. In nothing be anxious. So there is no situation outside of God's remit. There is nothing that comes our way that is too much for us in terms of bringing it to God now. We are overwhelmed, aren't we, at times? But in terms of God, there is nothing too big for him. He holds the whole world in his hands. He can hold you. He can hold me. So in everything, by prayer, in everything, by prayer, I know it's a cliche, but I'll quote it. We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what Paul had learned. Have we learned that lesson? Instead of fainting, that's our natural bent. Something comes and we just get discouraged and we're about to give up. But instead of doing that... When all things seem against us, coming from every direction to drive us to despair, we don't despair. We know one gate is open, one ear will hear our prayer. Now then, let's look at how Paul puts it, because he doesn't say, just pray about it, does he? Did you notice that in the reading? In nothing be anxious, but in everything, he then uses three terms to describe prayer. And I think he does this on purpose. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. So it's not just pray about it. Now, why does he expand on prayer here? I think it's for this reason. Sometimes, when we just pray about it, we're not really praying. All we're doing is reminding ourselves of the same problem. And so it's dragging us even further down. So what Paul is telling us here is bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the one who is in control. Now, let's understand these three terms for prayer. The first word, prayer, here, it means specifically here a coming to God as our Father. So there's no requests in terms of this word prayer here. It just means coming into the presence of God. As Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, before we're asking, give us this day our daily bread, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Isn't that good psychology? Instead of starting with our problem, whatever it may be, great or small, we come into the presence of God. There's the famous anecdote, isn't there, of the school teacher. It's not just these days that school teachers are stressed. Uh, a generation ago, it was the same. And uh, this lady, who was a very capable school teacher, uh, she, she was overwhelmed. And she went to Westminster Chapel one evening to hear Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones preach. And afterwards, people were invited to the vestry uh, to talk to him. And she came to the vestry. And she said to him, Doctor, I'm going through a terrible time at school. 
and I'm a Christian, and I know God is in control, but it's just making things worse. And she said to Dr. Martin, every morning before I go to school, I recite Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. And it doesn't help me, she said. Dr. Martin just looked at her. And he said, your emphasis is in the wrong place. Your emphasis is in the wrong place. You're saying the Lord is my shepherd. You're drawing attention to yourself. What you should say is the Lord. Jehovah, the great I am, the unchangeable one, the one I'm in a covenant relationship with, the Lord is my shepherd. Wonderful, isn't it? One of the things I hope to do this August is to climb a mountain. Believe it or not, I haven't been up a mountain since August 2019. And one of the best things about ascending a mountain is it just gives you perspective on life. And that's what coming into the presence of God does. We're just to be in awe of God. So that's what the word prayer means. And then uh, you have uh, the uh, next definition. So it's not just coming into the presence of our Father, but yes, there is supplication. We need to bring our request. Uh, so here is Warren Wearsby. He's very good here. See the greatness and majesty of God and worship him. He is big enough to solve all your problems and then Wearsby goes on to say we are prone to pray about the big things in life and forget to pray about the little things until they grow and become big things and so the apostle Paul says be anxious for nothing but in everything it doesn't matter what it is that's the thing about stress uh, something can stress one person out and it doesn't have any effect on another person. But this is how good our Father is. Whatever is bothering us, whatever is pressing upon us, bring it to Father, as uh, one person uh, would say. So this is what we do. We've got these worries coming in from all directions. We don't faint. We turn to prayer. But we don't just start with our problems. We start with God. And then, realizing that God is in control, we see that he's allowed these things to happen for a reason. And so we turn our problems into requests. We turn whatever is pressing upon us into a request. health worries Lord why yes we can ask that like the psalmist Lord why are you doing this like Paul uh, with his thorn in the side why Lord I could be much more useful to you if I didn't have this particular health issue but the Lord said Paul 
I want you to learn something of me. And you can only learn in your weakness. So... Health worries. What is God teaching me? You can do the same with exam worries. I don't know why I've got exam worries down here. I haven't done an exam for decades. <laughs> Job worries. God is in control. Turn your problems into requests. And then there's something else, isn't there? Prayer, supplication. Ah, don't forget thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. It's easy, isn't it, to have a shopping list when we bring our requests to God. And there's nothing wrong with that. We must bring specific things to God. But in the end, we must have that item. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving. That's what transforms our prayers I remember when I was in my first church, I went to somebody's house for Sunday lunch and the husband had cooked a blackberry tarts for dessert. It looked delicious until you tasted it. It was a chavi, as we say in Welsh. It was unbelievably sour. Do you know why? The poor man had forgotten to add a certain ingredient. He'd forgotten the sugar. And sometimes, aren't our prayers, they're correct, aren't they? We believe in the sovereignty of God, but they can be sour, like that blackberry tart, because we've forgotten this extra ingredient, thanksgiving. Oh, how a word of thanks can sweeten our prayers. Uh, one commentator put it like this, prayer without thanksgiving is like a bird without wings. Thanksgiving can cause our prayers to rise. Somebody giving thanks in a prayer meeting can lift the meeting. Isn't that the case? We as Welsh people especially can go in on ourselves, can't we? And all we're doing in bringing our requests before God is reminding us and him how bad things are. But thanksgiving... Lifts our prayers to another dimension. Oh, never forget Thanksgiving. I've told you, haven't I, about the deacon in Dr. Martin's old church in Sandfields. I have said this before, but it's worth hearing again. Uh, this deacon in the prayer meeting would always um, give thanks about the weather. He would always give thanks about the weather. So everybody waited for this gentleman uh, to say something about the weather in his prayer. And one evening, it was horrendous weather. <laughs> it, it, it was just uh, a storm blowing a gale. And people were wondering, what is this person going to say now? There's no way he's going to thank God for this weather. And so what he said was this, Oh Lord, I thank you that the weather isn't always like this. You see, thanksgiving, thanksgiving, it transforms our prayers. Ten leopards. Lepers even, not leopards. It's hot. <laughs> Ten lepers were healed by Jesus. Only one came back to give thanks. I wonder. 
Has that percentage ever changed? When you think of the evangelical scene, isn't thanksgiving often the missing ingredients? I just want to talk about one more thing in prayer before coming to the peace of God, and then we'll finish on that. Have you ever been in a situation where you can't even bring a request before God? Because you don't know what to pray for. You are just at your wit's end. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Apostle Paul had that experience. He writes about it in Romans chapter 8. It's worth looking at these verses. Uh, This is how he puts it in verse 26 of Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. And this was the particular weakness, the infirmity that he was thinking of. I don't know what to pray for in this particular situation. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I wonder, have you ever been in that position You haven't got words because you don't know what to say to God. But in your heart, there's a sigh, there's a groan that is going up to God. And you don't know what that groan is saying. But this is the encouraging thing. The Spirit hears and the Spirit knows. This is what one person said. And I think this is a very helpful description. Prayer is not trying to strong arm God. It's not a way to cut deals with God or harness divine favour. Prayer is not so much the words we say as it is the heart reach for God. This is especially true when words cannot express the breadth and depth of that reach. Silence is the language of God sometimes. All else is poor translation. There are times when our deepest, most eloquent prayers are not words, but groans. Groans. And then finally, don't panic. Don't listen to unbelief. Be gone, unbelief. My Savior is near. And for my relief will surely appear by prayer. Let me wrestle and Christ will perform with Christ in the vessel in the boat. We'll smile at the storm. And so I bring myself before this wonderful God and I bring my requests, not forgetting to give thanks. And sometimes all I can do is sigh. And he hears, he hears. And then what happens? Best felt than telt, my friends, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. This is not something you reason about. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his atoning death. We are reconciled to God by the blood of his son. But this is something else. This is the peace of God. In Welsh, we've got another word for this. Tang nevedd peace. Tang nevedd. It's something subjective. It's something felt. It's something that comes upon you. That's what it means, beyond understanding. It comes upon you in situations where you would never imagine to be at peace. And this peace will guard 
your hearts and minds. Think of Paul chained to two Roman soldiers. They're garrisoning him. And this peace will garrison our minds and our hearts. This is where worries come, isn't it? And this peace will just keep us. God isn't saying through Paul here that we won't have difficulties. This is peace in the midst of adverse circumstances. As we sang, Oh, for that peace beyond all understanding. Peace, heavenly peace, bought by eternal pain, that my frail soul, where is the soul? Beneath life's cruel pounding. At rest, at Jesus' cross may still remain. So here is a believer. They are being pounded on the outside. There are still worries coming from every direction. But instead of strangling this believer, this believer like Paul has learned to be in the presence of God and to share these things with God and to see God's good hand and the peace, the peace, it comes How did the psalmist put it? And the psalmist, when he wrote these words, was running away from the enemy. He was a fugitive. How did the psalmist describe his experience? I lay me down and slept because the Lord was upholding him. Isn't it wonderful, Christianity? We sang peace, perfect peace. Is it possible? In this dark world of sin, yes, the blood of Jesus whispers peace within. We're reconciled to God. Our consciences are at peace. And then peace, perfect peace, with sorrows surging round. On Jesus' bosom, naught but calm is found. You see, the sea of life doesn't have to be calm in order for you to know this peace. Uh, I'm sure if we were to drive this evening to Porthcawl, the sea would be like a milk pond, wouldn't it? It'd be so calm. And we sometimes foolishly think, ah, if my life was like that, of course I would know this peace of God, which passes all understanding. But we've got it the wrong way around. This is a man who isn't on calm seas, and we may not be on calm seas. It might be rough, and the waves are pounding against us, and we think we're going to sink. And this is the wonderful thing. When we think we're going to sink like Peter did and we cry out, help, Lord, he upholds us. And so the waves are still there pounding at us. But in our hearts, it's peace. Peace, perfect peace, our future all unknown. It doesn't matter. Jesus we know. And he is on the throne. Last thing, just an illustration. Read Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones' Spiritual Depression on uh, the verses we've been considering tonight. He ends that chapter with an illustration from a missionary couple. Uh, They were missionaries in Asia, and it was during a period when people uh, died from tropical diseases, much more than they would now. And I don't know if any of you have heard of this missionary, John Carpenter. He was with the Salvation Army and their daughter was taken ill with typhoid fever. And so what they did was put this into practice. They began to pray for her, but they were not able to pray for her recovery. 
Have you had that experience sometime? The Lord isn't allowing you to pray that somebody might be healed. All they were able to pray was, you can heal her if you will, Lord. You can heal her if you will. And they prayed that for six weeks. And she died. She died. She wasn't healed. She died. And the morning she died, Mr. Carpenter came down the stairs and he said to Mrs. Carpenter, you know, I'm aware of a strange and curious calm within. And she replied, I feel exactly the same. And they came to this conclusion. This must be the peace of God. That's one of the worst struggles, isn't it? To have to endure, to lose one's child. To be in prison, as Paul was, was a huge trial. I don't know what your particular situation may be. But this I know. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. May the God of peace be with you. And may every one of us not panic. Uh, I'm really preaching to myself here. I'm the most panicky of all. But may we say, don't panic, but bring it to the presence of God and share your burdens from the greatest to the least with thanksgiving. And then he will give that peace. When you're not looking for it, that peace that passes all understanding. Uh, may God be with us during this summer and may he bless our comings and goings and may he bless our endeavours to spread the good news for his namesake. Now let us sing together to finish. A sovereign protector I have, a garrison as it were, unseen yet always at hand. Let us stand and let us worship our saviour, our strong saviour who keeps us.
Father, we thank thee tonight that we are sinners, yes, but sinners that have been signally loved by our Saviour, and that we have not just been saved, but that we're being kept, and we will be kept, uh, that we can set up our Ebenezer's and own that thou hast helped us till now, and that we to the end shall endure. And we just thank thee for the garrison of the peace, that peace which passes all understanding, that no enemy, uh, no attack uh, shall uh, penetrate uh, that. Oh, we thank thee that we're safe uh, in the city of our God. And we just pray uh, that thy blessing will rest upon us now and keep us over these next few weeks as well. And may we come back in September so refreshed uh, that we will know the going before us in a way that we've never known before. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, our sovereign protector, and uh, the love of God, and the sweet influences and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.